you have a Bible today, I'm going to invite you to turn with me to First Peter, First Peter chapter two, and um, we're going to look at just um, two verses, uh, verses nine and ten uh, this morning, and um, we're looking at and talking about missional community. I mean, I, I think that if you've been paying any attention and engaged in the service, the worship service this morning at all, you'll know that that we're talking about missional community. And uh, if you are a regular at Redeemer, then you know that last Sunday, we actually did not meet here, and we participated in uh, a missional prayer walking. We participated in missional prayer walking, and we gathered together, and then after some short instructions, went out into the Champaign-Urbana community, various places, Parkland College, U of I, um, downtown Champaign, downtown Urbana, and and prayed in a we prayed missionally for our community and I, I'm sure that we need to define what we mean by missional you know what does that mean you know last week uh, Caleb led our devotion about as we prepared for missional parochial he kind of laid the groundwork for us to understand what missional means and missional basically means that we are living out the mission of God. Living out God's mission. And we're missional because God Himself is missional. He is a missional God because mission, the, the mission of God simply is this. God's initiative, God initiating the redeeming of a people for Himself by sending His Son Jesus to accomplish that through the cross and resurrection, through the church, for His glory. That's, that's essentially God's mission. That God, by His own initiative, is, is in the process of redeeming the people, and He's done that by Jesus. But that ongoing mission in the world, the mission of God, that happens now through the church. It's, a, it's, it's always been accomplished by Christ, but now it's actively being accomplished through the church. And all of that, all of the mission of God is ultimately for God's own glory. And so when we talk about being missional, we're talking about those of us who, who are redeemed... Who, who have been saved from their sin by repentance and faith in Christ, then, and, and, and who are part of the church, living out that mission of seeing people, seeing people redeemed, reconciled, you know, to God in Christ for God's glory. And I, and I use the word living out. Because we can get confused sometimes in thinking that that this is something that we do. See, there's another word that is very similar to missional. Anybody want to take a guess at what it is? Missionary, that's one. Or missions. Missions or missionary. Those are probably some words, if you've been in church very much, you've heard those words before. And now we have another word, missional. I mean, isn't missions and missional pretty much the same word? Um, yes and no. Uh, they ought to be the same word. They ought to be the same thing. But something has happened 
in the course of history with that word missions. Missions has been thought of as something that we do. It's something that we do. And then a missionary is a special person who goes and does missions. And that's simply not the case. Okay, and that's why we use the word missional and the idea of living out. Because we don't do missions, at least we weren't intended. We weren't intended to do missions. We were intended to be on mission. And so we don't do missional, we simply are missional. It's, it's more what we are and what we are becoming than it is what we do. Now, can you describe a missional life by things that are done? Absolutely. But still, missional is not something we do. It's just what we are. It's who and what we are. And it doesn't take missionaries to be missional. Here's what it takes. Here's who is missional. Those who are called by the name of Christ. And so that's why we have this next word, community. Missional community. And I've got community is a group of people united by common faith in Christ in relationship and partnership with one another. Okay? And that's God's work. Right? I mean, God does that when He saves us. When God saves us in Christ, He saves us to be part of a community of faith. In fact, there is no Christian community apart from Christ. Did you get that? There is no Christian community apart from Christ because what makes us a community is common faith in Christ. That is the heart of Christian community. The, the gospel is at the center of Christian community. And, it, and, and Christian community is centered on the gospel and centered around Christ because He is what unites us. He is why we have anything in common, any relationship with one another, any partnership with one another. It's because of Christ. Okay, so when I talk about missional community, it's this as a body of believers, as those who have this common faith in Christ, those of us who, who have this relationship that is centered on Christ and this partnership together because of Christ, living out together, each one and together, the mission of God. So here's what it means. It means that I'm living out the mission of God, and Chet is living out the mission of God, and Caleb, but also it means that Quinn is, and Rachel, and Kelly, and, and, and Keith, and Joe, and, and Keith, and, and Holly. I, I, I'm going to avoid naming everybody's name, okay, because that would be, although, well, anyway, yeah. So if I left you out, it's because it's just weird saying everybody's name, okay? So you're still on, okay? All right? You know? Uh, but it's also Redeemer Church. It's also Redeemer Church living out the mission of God together. Because we do that together. We are in partnership and we have a relationship with one another for this purpose of living out the mission of God. And so, with this in our mind already, missional community, I'd like for us to look at 1 Peter 2, 
verses 9 and 10, and get a biblical look of the call and description of missional community. Okay? So, um, yeah, if you'll just follow along with me as I read. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. That's a picture of missional community. And that this section begins with the declaration that you are a chosen race. And I just want us to understand that this, this phrase, you are a chosen race, declares to us that this is God's plan. This is God's eternal plan for us. You know, it's not like, you know, God was, uh, is freelancing here. He's making it up as he goes along. He's like, well, you know, now I've, now I sent Jesus and saved some people. And it'd be nice if they all kind of got together and carried it on. So here, halfway through this deal, I'm going to make up a, a missional community. And that somehow, this, you know, that, that that's the way that God is acting. Or, or, or that missional community is something that we just recently discovered. You know, um, no. A, a chosen race means that this is and has always been God's eternal plan for his people. That he has, by his choice, determined them to be a missional community. And it is right that we, that we embrace what it means to be a missional community because it's God's plan, God's desire, God's will for us, God's will for his people. And you know, what, is, what does the scripture say about God's will? Well, I can, in, in Romans uh, 12.2, uh, we're told that it's, it's his good, pleasing, and perfect will, right? So, being a missional community is good, and it's pleasing, and it's perfect, because it's God's choice for us, God's will, God's purpose for us. And you know what else is true about God's will, God's purpose? He always accomplishes it. In Isaiah, um, it's declared that, you know, that he, the Lord is God, and there is no other, there's none like him. He declares the end from the beginning, and from ancient times things yet to come, saying my counsel will stand, and then I will accomplish all of my purpose. Yeah. So, this purpose of God's people being a missional community, it's, it's God's will for us, so it's good, and it's pleasing, and it's perfect, but it's also God's purpose for us, so he's going to accomplish it. God is going to accomplish this purpose in his people that they would fulfill and embrace and live out his mission by being a missional, missional community. But so what is that? I mean, that's great. What does it look like? I mean, what does it look like for God's people that, or for 
let's bring it down to, you know, Redeemer Church. What's it look like for Redeemer Church to be this missional community? What did God intend when He called us and chose us and, 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 and it is that His will is for us to be a gospel, uh, missional, gospel-centered missional community? Well, it says that you are a royal priesthood. A royal priesthood. That, that is part of what it looks like to be a gospel, a, a missional, gospel-centered missional community. That, that we be a, a royal priesthood. Well, I think we have to go back and what, what, how do, how do priests function, especially, and I know, you know, it might be difficult because we have Christian denominations who have priests, you know, like, you know, the Catholic Church and Episcopal and, 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 and others, okay, uh, uh, Orthodox and whatever, and, and so they, they, and, and certainly the reason they call those guys priests is somehow grounded in, in what we're talking about here, but, but, in, in the Bible, what was the function of priests? Well, they, they, they led in worship. They, priests led in worship. And so what does it mean for us as a missional community to be um, a royal priesthood? Well, it means that we're leading worshipers. That, that, that we worship God. We worship Him in spirit and in truth. We worship Him with not only our declarations of praise, but our lives lived for His glory and for His purposes. But we, we become leading worshipers. And you know, I'm not saying that, again, catch this, I'm not saying that each one of us need to take our turn up here with the guitar and at the microphone. Thank God, okay? That I don't have to take my turn. And there's a few others out there that I won't call out name. But you know who you are. I'm also thankful that you also are not going to take your turn with the guitar and the microphone. Because, because as great as, as all of this is, and I appreciate Caleb and his heart and his talent that God's given him. But, you know, worship's more than this. This is worship. But it's more than this. Okay. It's also more than the guitar and the songs that we sing. And I'm not saying that we just need to take our turn at this, but what we do is we worship God in front of the unbelieving culture. We worship God out there with our lives. You know, um, I, no sermon would be complete without the John Piper quote. So uh, I, I guess I'll, I guess I'll do that now. You know, in uh, "Let the Nations Be Glad," you know, the, it's a book. John Piper Wright wrote about, quote, missions. And, and, and he basically said this, missions exists because worship does not. That, that our, and the, the meaning behind that is that our worship of God in the marketplace is missions. That is part of what it means to be missional. In a sense, we lead the unbelieving culture pointing them to God pointing them to Christ by our attitude and lives of worship. So, as a royal priesthood, we become leading worshipers. Now, what else did, did priests do in, uh, in the Bible, specifically the Old Testament? Well, they were intercessors. They interceded on behalf of the people. Okay. Now, their intercession was... 
kind of different because they interceded um, in a way to attempt to bring about the atonement for sin, you know, and uh, they would kill, you know, like a a bull. Uh, and, and by the way, I don't know if you've ever thought about that whole how the bull got sacrificed and everything, and you know, you had to put your hand on its head and then cut its throat. Guess where all the blood went? All over the dude who had his hand on the bull's head. Okay, all right. Yeah, it was a messy, bloody thing, man. It just was. I mean, it, it was it was not this nice, clean ceremony that you just kind of went through. Though maybe it may have been perverted into that. It done as it is intended in the in the Bible. It's messy, and you get covered in the blood. Hmm. Wow. Imagine that. You know, getting covered in the blood of the sacrifice. Okay, that kind of foreshadows Jesus a little bit. No, not just a little bit, a whole lot, right? But the the, the priest would intercede, go into the Holy of Holies and sprinkle the blood of the sacrifice on the mercy seat, you know, the covering over the Ark of the Covenant, and then that then, you know, that would get by some time for for the people. And the priest interceded in that way. Okay? Now, we don't need to intercede for people in that way. Christ does that. Because that's actually the, the, the job of the high priest. To go in and offer the, the blood of the sacrifice on the mercy seat for the atonement of sin. That's the job of the high priest. And the scripture tells us that Jesus is our great high priest who himself is both the sacrifice and the priest who offers the sacrifice on our behalf, intercedes for us, to bring about a once-for-all salvation. But the priests, they would regularly go before God on behalf of the people. And I'm saying that not in the exact same way they did, because we don't have to do that, but yet, as a royal priesthood, we go before God on behalf of the people regularly. That's what it means for us to be a missional community, to go before God in prayer, interceding for the people, the unbelieving culture, and not just the unbelieving culture in mass, you know, not just this general, all those lost people, but how about my neighbor across the street and his wife, Jeff and Jessica and their son Ryan, or, you know, or those students in my class who, who I'm pretty sure don't know Jesus. You know, the neighbor across the street, the neighbor next door, the co-worker in the cubicle next to you, you know, or I think you get the picture, right? You know, interceding by name also, regularly going before God on behalf of these people who are in need of redemption, who are not part of the missional community, the community of faith, because they are now not a people and they have not received grace and mercy and they have not been redeemed as you and I have if we are in Christ. So we intercede, go before God on their behalf. And here's where and here's where it kind of we also go before them on God's behalf. Okay? N- not necessarily that God needs us to in the fact that it's not going to happen. You know, oh gosh, there's no way they're going to hear about God if I don't tell them. That's not the case. But we do. But yet God calls us 
empowers us, gives us both the duty and the delight, the privilege of going before people on behalf of God. In 2 Corinthians 5.20, Paul writes, Therefore we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were making an appeal through us, we beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Now, Paul says that we are Christ's representatives, and God is making his appeal to the unbelieving culture through us. That's, that's what it means to be a missional community. To be that one, those ones, those people, that body that God through them, makes his appeal to the unbelieving culture to come to repentance and faith in Christ. So, yeah, we, we're worshipers, we're intercessors, and then also ministers. The priests were ministers. They met people's needs. They met spiritual, physical, emotional needs in the lives of the people. They ministered to them. And we also are called to a, a ministry of service. A ministry of service. Jesus, in John 13, before, just before he institutes the Lord's Supper, he does something really weird. He gets up from the table, takes off his clothes, except for his undergarment, okay, all right, and then he wraps a towel around his waist, he pours water into a basin, he goes around, and he starts washing the disciples' feet, I mean, he's down there, hands and knees, washing their feet, um, and, uh, I mean, that's, that's the job of the slave, it's the job of the servant, but here's Jesus, the one who's soon to be known as the king of the Jews, washing their feet. And the disciples are, they're shocked. They don't know what to think about this. And even Peter, he's like, Lord, you will not wash my feet. And Jesus says, well, if I don't wash you, you have no part with me. And then Peter's like, well, Lord, don't just wash my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Give me a bath, you know, if that's the case, because I, I don't want to miss out, you know, in a relationship with you. And, you know, Jesus then responds, you know, you know no, you know, your whole body, you've, you've been bathed, your whole body's clean. You just need to have your feet washed, but not all of you clean. But then after he does all that, he puts his, Clothes back on, goes back to the table and says, do you know what I've done for you? And they all look around because they don't say anything. He says, well, you call me teacher and Lord and rightly so, for that's what I am. If I, your teacher and Lord, have washed your feet, so also should you wash one another's feet. What did Jesus say? He said, I've served you, now serve each other. I have served you, so now you should serve. How many times did Jesus say, if you want to be great in the kingdom of God, you had to be the servant of all. Greatness in the kingdom of God is serving everyone. Missional community as a royal priesthood means, yes, we are leading worshipers and that we are intercessors. We go before God on behalf of the people and we go to the people on behalf of God, but then we serve. We serve people. We, we become the servants of of all meeting real needs in tangible ways. That's what it means to be a royal priesthood, part of what it means to be a missional community. And then it goes on, so not only are we, not only are we um, a, 
a royal priesthood, but also a holy nation. We're a, a, a holy nation set apart for His purpose. I know that we've seen some people, some groups of people who take that set apart and probably and, and just simply go too far. Maybe they say, oh, that means we have to live in a commune or a monastery. We've got to live all by ourselves and build these big walls around us and not let anybody in and, 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 and just be so separate from the world that it can't touch us. Well, I don't think that's what set apart means. Because how are you going to be a royal priesthood if you're just so set apart that the world doesn't touch you at all? You don't touch it at all. Okay, but yet, and then we can sometimes just leave set apart out. It's like, ah, we are to be absolutely no different. Well, that's not true either. Okay? Set apart does mean set apart. It means a discernible difference, unlike the whole, unlike the rest. Okay? And so if we're gonna, if we are indeed a a holy nation, those who are set apart as His, as God's, for God's purpose, then we ought to live as though we belong to God, and we also ought to be, live as though we exist for His purpose. Okay, and, and so there's definitely a reality to embrace that does involve us being different from the world around us, as, as difficult as that might be. And it also involves you and I as Christ followers being set apart for His purpose, not just set apart for the sake of being apart, not set apart just for the sake of being different, but so that we can accomplish His purpose. How would we, you know, so how set apart do we need to be? Well, enough to accomplish His purpose. Here's how I'd work this out in my life. If I, if I, were, if I were looking at this, which I am, here's what I think I would do. This may not be what you need to do. This is what I need to do. I need to say, God, what is it in my life that is preventing me from accomplishing your purpose or you accomplishing your purpose through me. If I'm, if I'm to be about being a leading worshiper and an intercessor and a minister, ultimately to bring people to Christ so that they might be redeemed for God's glory, to build redemptive communities of gospel-centered people, if that's what I'm going to be about, what is it in my life that's keeping me from doing that? Is there something in my lifestyle? Then if there is, I need to be set apart from that. Is there something in my attitude? If so, I need to be set apart from that. You know, it, um, it, it, is there something in my, in my behavior? Or in my belief? I, then I, if, there, if there is, I need to be set apart from that. Because I am a part of, I am part of a holy nation set apart as His for His purpose. And guys, because we're talking about missional community, this is probably a practice for us. It's, it's a practice for each one of us, but it's also a practice for all of us. Each of us and all of us. What is it as a body, as Redeemer Church, what is it that keeps us 
from accomplishing His purpose. If we identify some things as a button, then we need to be set apart from those. We need to be set apart from those things. Because we are a holy nation, set apart as His for His purpose. As it says, a, 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 as His own possession, a people for His own possession. That you may proclaim the excellencies of Him who called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. That's another part of what it means to be a missional community. Proclaim. Proclamation. We, we, to make Him known, declare the excellencies of Him who called us out of darkness into His wonderful light. And I want you to notice there, it's not just simply making known the name of God. You know? But it's declaring the excellencies of He who called you out of darkness into His wonderful light. That's more than just proclaiming the name of God, right? Because I can I can walk out into the hotel, go down to the you know go down to the main hotel lobby, and just stand there and say to people, "God bless you. God bless you. God loves you. God bless you." I'm saying something about God. But am I declaring the excellencies of He who called me out of darkness into His wonderful light? No, I'm not. Now, am I saying that saying God bless you or God loves you to somebody is a bad thing? It's not a bad thing, but I just want you to understand it's not declaring the excellencies of Him who calls you out of darkness into His wonderful light. No, that's, 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 a, that's getting at the gospel. That's proclaiming the gospel. Because... Proclaiming the one who's called us out of darkness into his wonderful light is proclaiming the God of the Bible who has manifested himself in his son, Jesus Christ, who has redeemed men and women by suffering on a cross and becoming our substitute uh, because of our sin, becoming sin for us, being cursed and hanging on that cross and suffering and dying, though he lived perfectly without sin, and then offering that as a sacrifice in our place, on our behalf, that our sins might be forgiven as we have, as we have faith in him and turn from our sin, repent of our sins, and then God has accepted that sacrifice and demonstrated it by raising Jesus from the dead. That's declaring the excellencies of the one who called us out of darkness into his wonderful light. So if we're going to be a missional community, uh, yeah, we're going to proclaim, make him known, but not in a general way, not in a in a generic way, but in a very specific way, specific as in the gospel. Declaring the excellencies of He who called us out of darkness into His wonderful light. And then, I hope you'll see that in all of this missional community, missional living, is worship. It's, it's our worship service. Now, I've already referred to it this way today. I think I've referred to this gathering right now as our worship service. That's actually not true. This is a worship experience, but our worship service begins when we walk out the door. That's, that's when we roll up the sleeves and serve as an act of worship. And just... This, to me, verse 10, 
is the reminder that this missional living, that this living out the mission of God as a community is indeed our spiritual act of worship. Look at verse 10. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. You know, why do we worship? Well, we worship for oh, you know, two or three reasons. One, we worship God because He's God. Because of His attributes, because of who He is, His very nature as God calls forth our worship. And we worship because He commands us to. And He's God, and because He's God and He exists, we're compelled to obey. But we also worship Him for what He's done, for what He has accomplished. You know, we see a picture in heaven. In Revelation chapter 7, there's this multitude uh, that no one can count from every tribe, tongue, and nation, and people. And they're gathered around the throne, and they're in these white robes, and, and <laughs> this is what they say in a loud voice. Salvation belongs to our God who is on the throne and to the Lamb. They're declaring praises. Why? Because of God's salvation. Because of what He has done. And the fact that they're there worshiping is because of God's salvation. Because this is in heaven around the throne. This is the multitude from every tribe, tongue, nation, and people. They're there because God is a missional God. Because of the work of salvation that he has accomplished. And they're praising him for that. They're worshiping him for that. And so verse 10 just reminds me that this missional community, we do it because we worship God. It is, I'm sorry, I use the word do. We, we are missional. That describes us because we worship him. And as we live out that mission of God in community with one another. We are worshiping God together. It is our worship service. I thank you this morning for your attention. I mean, I know it's... Uh, I know sometimes it's hard to listen to because I get distracted very easily. So, But I hope I've been faithful with your time and your attention this morning. I want us to pray together as we think about missional community and what it means for us to to be in a missional community and, and and if you didn't get this earlier i hope you get it now it's not what we do it's what we are okay we are a missional community now we can embrace it and live it out or we can fight against it that you know that that's the reality we, we can embrace it and live it or we can fight against it but it's what we are my prayer and the commitment that I'm asking from you and that I'm asking from myself is that we embrace it and that we live it and not fight against it. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you that you are a missional God. Uh, we're here because you're a missional God. Because for your glory, you have, re you have and are redeeming for yourself a people. And God, thank you that because of the work of Christ in our lives, we can be a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to you, that we may proclaim the excellencies of he, you, who've called us out of darkness into this wonderful light. 
And so, God, we give you praise and honor, and we recognize that you're worthy of our lives, lived in obedience, fully living out and embracing your plan and your purpose for us to be a missional community for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.